Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Tonight, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor. We're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, tonight at 9, 8 central on CBS. Tonight, it's the CBS original comedy, The Neighborhood. I need at least a month to prepare for a debate, not six hours. Actually, it's four hours. <laughs> no, my watch is broken, too. With Cedric the Entertainer, Max Greenfield, and guest star Wayne Brady. You gotta fund the schools or graduate fools. I stole all my lines. Look, don't worry, I got a plan. Okay, well, what is it? Okay, so I don't have a plan. A new episode of The Neighborhood. You're gonna have to give them a show. Tonight, 8, 7 central on CBS. There had to have been something, I go back to that, it had to have been something that gave uh, the presidents and chancellors pause not to move forward. And they also believed that nothing was going to change in, in the coming weeks that would change their decision. Howard Griffith it, Griffith is an original Panther. He is a Big Ten Network analyst. We're talking about the Big Ten decision. And, um, and the one criticism I have, because, Howard, I have a hard time, you know, jumping in and, and, and ripping a conference that is literally saying, whether it's liability, safety or whatever, they are saying, hey, we are willing to forego millions for something else that we believe is more important. Like, I just I can't rip them for that. But the one thing that I do think and you touched on a little that we got to expand on, though. Is the lack of communication though, right? Like, do you think? And I know, I know, Kevin Warren went on with y'all, did did a seven or eight minute interview, or whatever that day. Mm-hmm. But the Pac-12 put out the twelve page like medical report. Like, here's the medical reasons why. Does the Big Ten need to communicate this better? Well, you can always debate about the communication. I mean, you can absolutely do that um, because AD coaches, players are, are now speaking out and. They want answers. They want to know exactly what uh, changed the mind uh, of the presidents and, and athletic, some of the athletic directors and chancellors. And I, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair criticism. But you know, some of the you know some of the language that's being thrown around at, at Kevin Warren, I, I have to believe it, it is really unwarranted. But you know, that's kind of the times that we're in right now. We're talking to Howard Griffith of the Big Ten Network here on Sports Radio FNZ. Howard, are you in the camp that a spring season is a feasible idea, or do you have your doubts that that can be pulled off? Well, I have my real doubts and concerns about it. I think if you if you try to play football in the spring, uh, what I've been saying is you're looking at two to three years of, of altering the way college football was in, in 2019. And I mean the calendar for recruiting, uh, how do you handle the eligibility of players, you have to expand the rosters. Uh, there are a lot of questions um, that have to be answered. Uh, Jeff Braun put out a, a, a great little plan um, earlier this week, I believe, or late, late last week, uh, that kind of outlined what he thought you know could work. And, and it, it's going to be difficult, guys. I, I, I think that even if you look at it from a, a, a money standpoint, there's going to be, I guess, basketball would be going on as well. So are the TV games even – you know, as valuable as they were. You look at the contracts that these conferences have 
uh, with these networks, and you kind of have to ask those questions. But then you get back to player safety. You know, how safe is it for, for players to play in, you know, in two, um, one calendar year? If you had an early enrollee that enrolled in, in 2021, 20, uh, he could conceivably play that spring, play in the fall, and he's been in school for a year, and now he's uh, athletically a junior. So those are things that, that, that I think the NCAA has to answer. And, and really these kids and these families have to get answers to a lot of the questions that they have. And right now it's unfortunate, but there doesn't appear to be a lot of answers out there. Yeah, see, that's another part, too. It's one thing to communicate with all the public, but, like, yeah, it does seem like parents and players have not gotten the full detailed medical explanation. Hey, we're looking out for y'all. Uh, Howard, I want to ask you about this player movement, and let's talk about the petition that Justin Fields, Ohio State quarterback, put online. I mean, I, I think we're around 300,000 signatures now, um, uh, but but I look at this and feel like I, I it's great that he wants to play and a lot of players want to play, and I would expect a lot of them to want to play. That can't have a difference, though. Like, that that doesn't make an impact and all of a sudden have the Big Ten powers that be say, hey, maybe we want to let him play. Does it really, or does it? Uh, it I don't believe so. I talked with an AD, or text with an AD yesterday, and he said that it was no conceivable way that he saw anything changing. Because I kind of asked him, what, you know, is there anything that could change the mind of the powers that be to, to reverse this. And he was very clear and said, no, uh, he didn't think so. Uh, so listen, I, I think one of the great things that has come out of this pandemic and the social unrest is that young people are finding their voice and are willing to speak without the fear of some repercussions happening. So I applaud them for, for all of that. But I just think in this situation, you know, it's, it, it, it's just tough, and, and this is coming from someone who's who's got a son playing at Notre Dame, and mm-hmm. you know, they're continuing to play and continuing to practice, whether they play or not is another story. Are you? Are you? That's interesting, and, and I didn't realize that about your son. Do you feel like? Are you worried? Do you what? Like what? Do you want your son to be able to play this year? How do you feel about it? Well, you know, it's kind of <laughs> it's, it's, it's two sides of this, right? It's um, the parent and me doesn't want him to play at all. But but I also understand as twenty as a twenty year old, um, you've got desires. Uh, I mean, he's wired differently. He, he's moving in one direction and that's forward. And and for all athletes, not just him in particular, but for all athletes, that's the way they're that's the way they're trained. That's what when they get to, to playing, you know, high level athletics. You know, they're driven to go out and, and be the best that they can be. And nothing's going to stand in their way and stop them from doing that. So even though, you know, I've said to him, I have concerns and reservations, I also in that same conversation had to say, well, I respect, you know, the decision that you're going to make. Because the reality is this. It, it may sound great that I can sit here and tell him he can't play. That's that's not really reality. Yeah. That That's not what's going to happen. Um, he's a young adult that's going to be able to make decisions that he wants to. And he's going to go out, and, and I feel comfortable that Notre Dame is doing everything in their power to keep the athlete, athlete and the student body safe. But that still doesn't alleviate my concern. Yeah. 
Yeah. We're talking to Howard Griffith of the Big Ten Network here on Sports Radio FNZ. And Howard, we were actually talking about Notre Dame today because Notre Dame was a school that had uh, zero tests for a while, come back positive. Then the students come back and you see the news this week that there's parties of, of multiple parties of like 90 or more. So the athletic department doing the right thing, students come back. And then despite all the, the good stuff football did, it could still be a mess. Well, I think this, you look around the country. And, you know, these student-athletes have been, have been preached, beat over the head about wearing masks, social distancing. Now, when it first happened, you know, there was, some, there was some hesitance. We still saw some outbreaks and that sort of thing. But it was a learned behavior, I believe. But once you start to look around and coaches could point to this school or that school that was having an outbreak, they, the, the student-athletes understood, okay, this is, this is real. Uh, for the ones that, that had some hesitation. But the reality is just that, as you mentioned, as the student body comes back to campus, uh, it, it, it changes everything. And, you know, Notre Dame had a few uh, asymptomatic players uh, early in the process, and now the students come back and, you know, they want to be students. I mean, it's, that's the reality. That's what they want to do. They don't want to be in their parents' houses. For, for too long. They want to get back to campus. They want to get around their friends and they want to enjoy the college experience that we've all told them is going to be one of the greatest experiences you've ever had. They've yeah. been cooped up in the house. Now they want to be out and get out and be kids. And it, it's tough, but you know, it's something that we're going to have to continue to be diligent uh, with. All right, Howard Griffith, great stuff. Check him out on the Big Ten Network, an original Panther as the lead blocker on that great 96 Panther team. Howard, thanks for coming on with us here in Charlotte. We appreciate it. Hey, anytime, guys. Take it easy on on Jeff. He's good. He can read. (laughs) (laughs) I still think, I still think, Garcia, I still think you had as a fullback had to block two men on every running play because Garcia missed his block up front. (laughs) But I'll have to review the tape to to, to figure it out. I can tell you guys have a great relationship because you're going in after him, and I'm sure he's enjoying it, and I'm sure he's going to get back. <laughs> We're going to find out. It's going to go one way or the other. He will laugh at, at his buddies making fun of him, or we will pay the next time we see him. We will figure out. All right, brother, be All good. Right, Howard. Thanks for coming on. You guys be safe. All right, there you go. I didn't know. Great a great nickname for Howard Griffith. I didn't know this until I read it right now. He was nicknamed in Denver the Human Plow. Howard, the human plow he's, Griffith. He was a great freaking lead blocker. Terrell Davis's lead blocker. I forgot about that. You told me that. You reminded me of that yeah, before the Super interview. Super Bowl championships. It was on the 95 and 96 Panther team. It's so. possible that he called Frank Garcia the wrong name there. He called him Jeff Garcia. He called him Jeff. <laughs> hey, Bone, which Super Bowl Panthers team was he on? What year was that? What are you talking about? You said he's on two championship teams. I didn't he know. He was which. on the Denver team. Oh, the Denver. He just oh. said he blocked for Terrell. Are you not Annoying. listening to the show? No, because he, he said still... he blocked for Terrell Davis. Gotcha. God. I was just confused. Because this how about dude, this? Don't be a dope. This dude is looking confused. for any chance to try to troll the Panthers, even when it makes no sense within the context of said You said he's a Panther, and then he said he won champion. I was just trying to tie everything together. No, he right, got nicknamed the human plow in Denver for blocking. Do you not listen to the show you're on? Oh, I listen a lot. Don't be a dope. D-B-A-D. Don't be dope. And I didn't realize I didn't realize he had a son at Notre Dame. So then for as a it's real interesting. As a parent says he doesn't he wishes his son wasn't playing. You know, and it's interesting because it goes to show not all parents are the same. You know, you have parents of Penn State, Ohio State players, and Iowa players that are petitioning the conference, reconsider, let our kids play. They want to play. We want them to play. We'll sign waivers. And then you have parents like Howard Griffith who make their living in college football on the television set. 
and they and he is saying I don't want him to play. You have a guy bone. Another thing too that's interesting too. You had a lot of former players that played the game right and assumed all the risk of playing football. You would think they'd be okay with risk taking of their of their sons. Chris Hinton, who was a great offensive lineman in the NFL, yeah. was on the Real Sports piece a while back. And he is the one that just feels terrible about his sons and the way it's being handled at college level. And incidentally, uh, one of his sons is at Michigan where they can't play now. But it's just it's it's parents think differently. There are kids that are opting out. LSU had a great corner. Vincent opt out the other day. Kennedy Brooks is a stud running back for Oklahoma and he opted out. So it's just everybody views this differently. And the same thing for all of us. Right. Everybody views this virus and the risk differently. Howard's son, Houston, is a sophomore at Notre Dame this season. Ranked uh, Rivals ranked him one of the top 20 most important players on the team this year. How about year. that? He's a safety, yeah. That, that's pretty freaking cool Houston right Griffith. there. That is pretty cool. By the way, we'll get uh, – how about this one yesterday? Michigan State announced yesterday, Bone, 250 student-athletes were tested of COVID in the last couple weeks. Zero positive tests. Wow, how about that? But that doesn't do us any good, though. No. They're not playing sports. True. <laughs> it's good for life, though, I guess. Oh, that, that is true. The Spartans are healthy. Nick Wilson said something in regards to Matt Rule and Ron Rivera this week. I found a little crazy. I need to address it and confront Nick Wilson next. I don't know if Mac will fight this fight with me, but I call out Pancake Mountain next on Sports Radio FNZ. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Sports Radio FNZ. Mac and Bo with you, hanging out with your boys here. Preppy's here, too. Can't do anything about that for now. But we got to talk about something, man. It is about to get very, very uncomfortable here in this office. All right? It really is. When we last left you, the bone man was talking tough about an opinion that Nick Wilson had on the radio yesterday. The bone man is going to take Big Daddy on. Or what did you call him? I called him Nick Wilson. What do you think I called him? I called him like Sir. No, what'd you call him? I called him Nick Wilson. I you was called Nick, him Nick, something Mountain. Nick and I are friends. Admit I it. I, Nick and I are friends. I called him Nick. Sometimes I call him Mr. Wilson. <laughs> yeah, right. You I better have, admit it. I may have been talked into calling him Pancake Mountain on that you one. Oh, talked into. Oh, Mac over here. You should call him Pancake Bone Mountain. Has, you call him Bone Pancake. has backed down in a six-minute break. No, it's not. That is a quick retreat right in, there, in, kids. In, in, in French soldiers don't retreat in, that quickly. In, in, explain Nick Wilson's take, though, that I'm so mad at. Then I'll jump in here with my facts and figures. Uh, right, you explain well, the take. I'm too mad about it. We're going to let everybody hear a little bit because we were monitoring Wilson and Parcel because we want to know. If anything's sad, that is going to anger us, all right? Because we're the enforcers of the radio and, station. And that's what we're supposed to do, although this enforcer is already back down. And we heard something from Dick Wilson. They had a poll going. He explains it here. They had a poll going on Matt Rule and Ron Rivera. Listen in and listen in to Nick's opinion on this comparison of Rule and Rivera. Which coach will win more games over the next five seasons? Matt Rule or Ron Rivera, our old coach here. And 67.5% say uh, that they think Matt Rule will win more games over the next five years. I think if you look at the division that they play in, I would rather be in the NFC East over the next few years than I would rather be in the NFC South. Just short-term thinking here, the next two to three years. I would uh, rather have that roster today for the next three years starting out than the roster here as it stands right now. Uh, the front office is is probably – I'd probably want to have the Washington front office because it's Ron Rivera and Kyle Smith, and I'd still rather have that than Marty Herney. Ownership, we know where that stands, but on a lot of key factors here – 
I, I look at Washington and the situation Ron's in there, and I think they have a chance to, to certainly be better in the early part of the next five years than Carolina does. All right, so there you go. Ron Rivera will be the eighth head coach that Daniel Snyder's had since he took over in 1999. You'll be the they've had interim coaches, but in terms of like a, at least a season or more, Ron Rivera will be the eighth head coach. None of the coaches under Daniel Snyder have lasted more than five seasons. That, that was Jay, Gr- Jay Gruden is the longest tenured head coach in Daniel Snyder's history. That was also the- in the 20 years that since Snyder took over, Daniel Snyder took over two playoff wins in 20 years, two playoff wins. In 20 years. I say this because Ron Rivera is walking into what I think is a disastrous situation. I, I, I've, I've said it all along. When he took the job, I said he shouldn't have taken it. And then when they had all that mess and all that, uh, you know, tumultuous stuff going on in the front office, I said again, Ron, why have you done this? Why have you taken this job? It is a place where coaching careers go to die. Like, and good coaches too. Mike Shanahan. Joe Gibbs and Mike, Mike Shanahan. Joe Gibbs and Mike Shanahan failed there. And we think Ron Rivera is going to succeed. And by the way, I give Marty Herney a ton of junk. There's no doubt about it. Ron Rivera has final personnel say in Washington. I don't understand. Think I don't, about that. I, I don't get that. How dysfunctional are you when you give Ron Rivera personnel say? What has he done? He's a, he's a heck of a coach. But I feel like it's already been proven that Daniel Snyder self-sabotages his own organization to where I don't believe any coach can go in there and win. And now you've got Ron Rivera not only coaching. But doing personnel, and you know what else he has to do? He had to come up. He has to come up with a t- new team name, and he also has to do damage f- to control and PR for the team. It's too much to put on one guy's plate. I don't Jay- see how he survives five years. And for for Nick to say, Boney, that five years. I know this is your point too. For Nick to say that R- Rivera wins more games in five years than Rule, I find it. it, it basically impossible that Rivera is there in five years. Unfortunately, because I like Ron. We're listening to Mac and Bone here on Sports Radio FNZ talking about Nick Wilson's opinion that Ron Rivera will win more games over the next five years than Panthers head coach Matt Rule. Jay Gruden has the most wins of any coach in the Daniel Snyder era. 35 wins in five years. He won 35 games in five years. That's the winningest coach in Daniel Snyder's tenure. And think about Jay Gruden. Wasn't exactly a Vince Lombardi, was he? Mike Shanahan went 24 and 40. You can say what you want about Mike Shanahan. Guy had a great track record. Two-time Super Bowl champ. And Joe Gibbs, ha- three-time Super Bowl and, champ. And, and things happened there with Robert Griffin III, but I get that, Robert Griffin III. But here's the problem. No one succeeds there. So Ron Rivera, why would he succeed there when these other great coaches have not succeeded? It, it, they had to bring Joe. They had to resuscitate Joe Gibbs there for a while for three years. He had a decent run. He went 30 and 34, but that's one of the best runs in the era, in the tenure, 30 and 34. So Matt Rule's got such a much better blank canvas in front of him. He can do what he wants to do. Can Rivera ultimately, right now in Washington, do what he wants to do? I don't think so. It's it's it, that just like I can't believe what Nick is putting faith in. He's putting faith in the most like Nick thinks he roots for a dysfunctional organization in the Browns, and he would be correct. But I swear Washington is the most like we may be talking about the worst owner in pro sports, Daniel Snyder. I just, why would you pick that organization over a five-year period to be better than ours? Like, and, and the thing is, I always felt like Nick was was pretty pro-Matt Rule, like, in listening to him on the air. So, like, I could see if you totally thought Matt Rule was in over his head and going to flop. But it, but if you don't think that, why on earth would you take a Washington five-year period and say they will be better than the Carolina Panthers? And I, I personally believe the Panthers have a great chance 
of having a winning record in their third season. I'm not even getting greedy. There's fans out there, Bone, saying, well, have a winning record this year and all this stuff. I, I, I'm, I'm pacing myself here, right? But I think by year three and four, this can be, if Matt Rule rebuilds the way he has in the past, I think that, that we could be in a great position. Who would bet, like, who would bet a paycheck that Ron Rivera is going to be Employed in five years. Like, would anybody even bet a hard-earned paycheck on that? Now, we got to, if Snyder's still there in five years, he's got a lot going on right now. But if Snyder's the owner, he's shown no patience. Marty Schottenheimer, a great coach, got one year. Uh, we'll, we'll skip over Spurrier for now. Joe Gibbs came back, had some success, won a playoff game, got three years. Shanahan got three years. Somehow, Jay Gruden lasted five years. How can you sit there and say, with those names that didn't last five years, that Ron Rivera, in this situation, can last five years? Yeah, I, I can't do it. It's, it's, it's an interesting question. Rivera or Rule? This is just from Wilson and Parcell. Josh was more Carolina-friendly, more Matt Rule-friendly on this. And Nick... Um, uh, who, you know, I, I don't care, Bone. Maybe I'll see him in a parking lot. You know what I mean? Maybe I'll have to bow up a little bit. Yeah. You know? Maybe mm -hmm. I'll have to do that. <laughs> but I will do that to fight for my head coach, okay? And fight for what I believe Matt, here. when was the last time you were in a fight again? Third grade. Oh, okay. And yeah, I really here. trust you you're going to bow up to somebody. Third grade, yeah. and William Lee was in the book bag line. And, and he we beat were your ass, right? And William Lee did some karate stuff on me. <laughs> That uh, took me by surprise, okay? And I have opt. I've made a decision since then to opt out of fighting. I have opted out of fighting every year since third grade. My, my fight. Do you like Juno chopped to the throat or something? I don't or like really what remember. My I fight. just know there was some sort of martial arts used, and I am not a fighter. That's all I really learned from that. You are the one using martial arts then. No, no. I just wanted to get to art class. That's my all I was fight, trying to do. My fight was summer camp going into fourth grade with Sarah Jibutowski. Uh, that's the that's the fight I've talked about. The basketball court fight, which he pulled the shirt over my head hockey style and wailed on me. Sarah Jibutowski. I need to Facebook her and see what she looks like. <laughs> but here's the I thing. I spell Jibutowski. Bone, we may not. I didn't. I think, didn't she tattoo it on your forehead that day? You didn't see it? Boney, here's the deal. Hey, what time does Nick we get? We are not. What time does Nick get here? Does anybody know? Uh, two, five minutes before, uh, five minutes after I leave today. Is <laughs> it's sad when I've been in the most fights on the show. Oh, Preppy's the enforcer on this show, y'all. We may give yeah. him crap, but we get in a situation with Nick Wilson, and I swear I hope he has to go through Preppy to get to me. Now, some some people are commenting on how, why would we do this? Why do we want some from Nick Wilson? There's a lot of people on our side. Bone, you and I are linguists on the radio, all right? Excuse me? We spar what with words. What does that words. mean? We spar with words. Okay. Okay? And I feel like we are winning the sparring session right now with our words, okay? And if it comes to fist to cuffs, I may have to come out of retirement, man. It's been a long time. It's been a long, long time. Hey, if Roy Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson can do it, we can do it, too. <laughs> If Mike Tyson could take on a shark during Shark Week, that's a bad example, actually. I would favor Mike Tyson had a much better chance against that shark than I have against Am Nick. I supposed to help you? Are you trying to fight Nick Wilson? Am I supposed to help you out no, with this? No, I was trying to sound tough, but then I realized I'm not tough. I got your back, Mac. Let's I do just, this. I'm just going to let the words do the talking, man, and send Preppy out there. What? Okay, now, another comment that people are making about this comparison of Rule and Rivera, five years, who has more wins? People are saying, Mac and Bone, all you're doing is attacking the Redskins. You're not defending your own guy. So how would you, like, what would your response be to that bone about, first First of all, Matt Rule could just be solid <laughs> and be better than Redskin track record is kind of what we're saying. But, like, why do you believe in Rule is what I guess they're, they're accusing us of not doing. Because, right? in because what you're giving Matt Rule here is like giving Bob Ross a blank canvas and saying paint something. <laughs> 
right? Because there's nothing, there's n- there's not a salary cap issue. There's not old veterans you have to move on from. Everything there is w- the way Matt Rule wants it. He wants the youngest team in the league. We've heard that from the building. It's there. He hope at some point we'll figure out the quarterback situation, whether or not Bridgewater shines or they got to go somewhere else. It's all there. There's nothing there holding Matt Rule back from doing what he wants to do. He's got the years. He's got the ownership approval. I mean, Marty Herney's there. They'll figure that out, I guess. But in terms of roster, it's a blank canvas that Matt Rule shines with. And Rivera, he's, he's Bob Ross. Paint us a portrait of Matt, Matt Rule. And Rivera's got a meddling boob that sabotages his own organization. Yes, that's the other way to put it. Like, and, 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 here's, and I know, okay, so I'll go back to Rule here. A lot of people are bringing up the Marty Herney thing. Like, people think... Nick Wilson scored a point on the Marty Herney thing. But, but if we're going to praise the dra- Ron, if we're going to praise the recent draft though, this and, that draft, will, and that will impacts the draft and Herney's things. draft impacts not as much. Two things. From uh, my understanding, I'd be shocked if, if if Marty Herney was calling the shots and still the head guy and personnel for all 5 years. I'd be shocked by that. Secondly, what you just said, this year's draft, didn't you notice a difference? Yes. When we drafted those defensive guys other than Derek Brown, Rounds two through seven. Did you notice an athletic potential and a different sort of player we went after? It's Matt Rule and Herney together. That I think that could be a difference. Could make it a better drafting team. You know, I don't want to do this when we come back, but apparently we have to maybe talk about why college football analyst Danny Cannell was right months ago. Oh. You'll hear the audio. I don't want to do it. Oh. It's Mac and Bone on Sports Radio FNZ. Why was Danny Cannell right? Oh my gosh. I would say if you truly were worried about the well health and well-being of student-athletes, the safest place they could be is on campus in an environment where they're controlled and they do have access to the best medical care, to the best testing, to the best housing facilities that they could possibly uh, afford. That was Danny Cannell, CBS Sports HQ, and that must have been six to eight weeks ago. All right. Mac and Bone, Sports Radio FNZ. All right. Danny Cannell, Boney, uh, I've had a couple dust-ups with him on Twitter lately. He blocked me. He then unblocked me. Um, we had another little minor dust-up. but Another one? Yeah, yeah, we had a second one. We had a second one, too. It's all over this COVID stuff and players and liability waivers and stuff like that. He's like, but, honestly, like a little inside. Danny Cannell's like the night takes aside. He's like the nicest guy. He really is. But legitimately, I could text him right now. He texts back and say, "Good morning, have a great day." That's how nice of a guy he is, though. But you do admit that his I, I, no, takes he 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 heats his takes. No, up, he does. No, that's what I'm saying. He does. He that's puts his takes in the microwave. He There's does. no doubt. Like he wants to create a no, reaction he's a, with his he's takes. He's a human hot pocket. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. I think. And I think you're with me on this, Bone. Like I feel like I have to admit that right there, Danny Cannell was right. And I remember the show. And I don't remember exactly what day it was or whatever. But I remember the show. 8 o'clock hour. 8 o'clock segment. I remember this, man. So you were wrong on a certain day at a certain time. I don't know the day, but I know at a certain time at 8 o'clock I was wrong. Which that thought, do you, Would you think that would happen, that I would be wrong about something at 8 o'clock on a radio show? But anyway, I, and, and I have to say this. I know they're not all going to text in and admit it. But there were a lot of people texting in. I would say 80% text and, and a few calls that day said, you can't play football with the kids on campus. See, that was Cannell's big point was you can still play football if, or if the students are on campus. If the students are at home doing virtual learning, 
you can still play football because it actually will be safer for the kids. And back then, me and I think a lot of us were hung up on that would be horrible optics. You're sa- you're keeping the kids safe, but you're going to send the players out there to make money for the school. The more I think about this, and you see UNC, and this is why I'm bringing this up, Bone. You yeah. see UNC, after six days of classes, yank the kids back out and say, nope, come on home. We got to do virtual learning. Is it possible Danny Cannell was right all along? And the best chance for college football is if more schools do what Clemson was doing all along and do what UNC is doing now and put the general population of students away from campus but have the football players almost in their own bubble on campus. Is this the best idea, and can they get away with it, or do you think there will still be public outcry like there was six or seven weeks ago, you know, from us and others? Was Danny Cannell right? Oh, man. Can I think about it for a second? I think he was, man. I don't like admitting that. I don't know. To Mr. Hot Pocket, but I think he was. I think he was right also because I didn't. Look, I, I, maybe I overestimated the way young people would act on campus. I don't think I really thought through. Not that I was naive to it, but I didn't really think through that that they would. I didn't think about them doing the wrong things. I don't know why I didn't. I don't know why I wasn't thinking that. That not that partying is wrong, but in this particular case, I sort of overestimated the way the students would act once they got back on campus. And if they're going to act that way from day one, it's only going to get worse. And how big will the outbreaks get if we're only one week into classes? By the time we even get to football regular season games, how bad is it going to be? And can that, and with the students on campus, can the athletes stay away from the other students on and, campus? And they can. And that's impossible, they really. If, if, first of all, if you're doing courses that aren't online, you'll have students, general students, and, and athletes mixing. You also have players that will just want to go see their girlfriend, but who has she been hanging out with? Who's she been in class with, right? There will be guys that will go to parties. And like, I, so it's just, I heard this the other day. Somebody said, Mac, you don't think all that the top players on these teams are going to be so focused on getting that one more season of tape for NFL execs or being there for their teammates? And like, I don't dispute that a lot of guys on college football teams will try to stay away the best they can from the general population. But there's 100 players on football teams, 85 scholarship plus walk-ons, give or take 100. Do you think maybe the 87th guy might want to go to a party? Do you think maybe the 56th, 58th, and 60th guy might want to go hang out with their girlfriend somewhere? Like It's just impossible. The only question is, Bone, to me, because I don't think you can dispute that this will keep the athletes safer. That Canell had foresight. I hate admitting this. And I did not have foresight. And I think he deserves credit for it. Here's my question to you and everybody that's that's a football fan, but just, just a human, right? Will Should they get ripped, though, if they do that? Is that a bad message if the students stay on campus and make money for the, for the make millions for people? But or you know what I mean the well, players, but the students no. go home. Or, or are no. we, or are we all going to move past that opinion because we were wrong with that take? But if you just move football, just take sports out of it for just a brief second. The kids that came back to campus, Max, still shouldn't be doing what they're doing regardless of sports. We kind of know the way of the world right now, right? So you shouldn't be having maskless parties and having clusters. But even if you had no football at your school, you still shouldn't be doing that just for the sake of the world and the in the country in your area. So they're, they're, they're actually doing some of the wrong stuff that we're saying not to do 
not even not even related to football. So the students on campus is a problem just for in general, not even just for football reasons. So that so they they're so yeah they're 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 blowing that chance just by their own behavior on their own. You see what I'm saying? That doesn't they shouldn't be partying anyway right now with with 80 people. Like Notre Dame, it's impossible like Notre Dame to did. stop them. It's just it is impossible to stop college kids. Their will to party exceeds their, oh. you know, uh, they're selfish. They're young. We were all there, man. You couldn't stop me from partying. I was living the Beastie Boys life. I was fighting for my right to party back <laughs> in college. MacRock. Here's another thing, too. Howard Griffith brought it up last hour. Bone, they've been trapped home in their parents' houses in quarantine for months. You don't think when they get to campus, they go wild? So I think ECU, I think NC State, I think every other school should should bring the students back home. Now, the only problem with that is, Bone, if you didn't test them up front, and UNC apparently didn't test them when they, when they came there, and that's part of the problem. But, like, how are we sure you're not sending the kids home to infect elder relatives, though? Now, that's another problem. That's what I'm, that's what I'm like, saying. So, like, it, it, like, just... Just being in there and doing what you're doing without football is still a problem. You're, you're still, I mean, there's still, we're still in a pandemic here. The clusters are a problem if there wasn't a football team on your on your campus. Yeah, but I'm now talking about sending them home. Like, oh. there's now a risk of sending them home and say grandma lives at the house. Yeah. And you then infect grandma and she gets really, really sick. Like, I just, but, but to me, everybody should have had, like, I'm talking about me, like, we didn't have foresight and Cannell did. How about the universities for not seeing this? Praise has to go to Clemson. Because, Bone, they are one of the schools that decided to hold off and do it online only at the start. And they look like they're right about it, is what I'm saying. You know, they played it right. And I wonder if other schools can undo this like UNC is trying to undo it right now. Mac, here's a football. And also, like you're saying, just keep everybody healthier. Here's a party roll call at Clemson, Mac, if they're going to attend parties right now. Yes. Stop me when I get to Trevor Lawrence. Yes. Yes. No. There's Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> I hit the wrong button. Up it took a little while for Bowman to get there. Yeah. Anyway, I, it's just yes. it's just interesting to me. Are we at the point where do, do, do we all now kind of feel like it would be best send the regular students home and still try to play football? Or is that still a PR nightmare? John says, I see that Mac has changed his mind. He wants football so bad, he doesn't care if they send out football players to be hired mercenaries for the rich and elite uh, school executives. But here's the thing. They, but, they've attempted, but they're safer without the other kids there is what I'm saying. Well, like with UNC, for example, I'm using them as the, the recent example from yesterday. Like they, they attempted to put the students back. It wasn't like they just said none at all. They've tried to put them on campus. They've made the effort there. And clearly, that's not going to work for many different reasons. All right. Let's, let's so at least get, they attempted it. But is it bad that they attempted it? Because if they had the foresight, they wouldn't get these kids sick. And then, and then they're sending some kids home that are sick, that are going to get relatives sick. It's just like the best decision is what Clemson did, man. I know you don't want to give Clemson any credit, Gamecock Bone. But they not only do they have the best football team in the Carolinas, but their approach to not sending kids back immediately and doing virtually for the first month is the best approach in the Carolinas, I believe now. Hey, also, stop tweeting and sending in your UNC class jokes, all right? We're not going to read those on the air. <laughs> I, I see them I, all. I, I'm not laughing at them, I all right? I was actually in the, in the last segment. I was actually going to read yeah, those I, yeah, on the I, air. I'm not going to read them. He will. Do those things not write themselves, though? UNC is not. Anyway, all right. 704-570-9610. If you have an opinion, what is the best way to try to salvage college football? And should we all admit that it is to 
Send the students home, general population, keep the football players there. Or is that going to result in a major controversy? I, I, that's, that's the question. Is the media going to freak out over that? Or have we all learned that that's a better idea? Let's go to Mike, who wants to jump in here. And Mike, how do you view this whole mess? Hey, how you guys doing this morning? What's up, man? What do you think? Look, man, just give me a second here. So let me preface my statement with this, man. I'm, I'm an avid football fan, college and pro. But here's my thing, man. And I don't know the right solution. I honestly think, you know, that, that, that the kids shouldn't play football. But here's, here's my issue, right? The NCAA stepped in. They stepped in it years ago. When you, sit, when you try to, for, for your own personal reasons, own personal gains, try to say that these kids are student athletes, and then you try to justify, well, you're the student athletes, but we need the athletes to come back so we can make money, it sounds so hypocritical and stupid. It's like, what, like, like I, I don't understand like, how people can't see this. This is just a big money grab. They don't care about the students. They care about the billions and millions that they're going to make off of them with, with these football games. And that's what pisses me off because it's like, dude, you guys have sit here and tried to beat everybody over the head and give reasons to not, to not pay them by saying, well, they're student athletes, they're student athletes. But now that they're actually trying to be students and go to school from home and, and trying to be safe, it's like, oh, no, we don't need see, to. See, that's, and that's the opinion, Mike, that I and, – and I get your opinion 100% because that's, that's the opinion I used to feel. I, I just think now, though, like, again, players have the choice to opt out. If you keep them there, Bone, there's almost a built-in bubble. I used to feel the way Mike did, and I, and I don't know if anybody else has had this metamorphosis, this change here, whatever, right? But, like, it, it just kind of it makes sense to me now. Get the students away from them, and they'll have their chance to play football. But the student, like Stuart Mandel was on with us earlier from The Athletic, right? Yeah. College football writer. He said the biggest obstacle are the other students bringing the infection to the football team. Because you notice, when they've been there on their own bone, the numbers have gone down. The COVID numbers have gone down. So, but the thing is, I, I philosophically align with what Mike's saying, but I feel like it's, it, it's, it's I, I'm now believing it's safer for the players if they're there on their own. You, you, brought up, you brought up a good point, too, there. No one's forcing the players to play. We've seen players opt out. Like, if they if they don't want to be there, I think most of the schools are saying that it's not going to affect your scholarship stuff going forward. You don't have to play. You're not forced to play. If you don't want to be there and you don't feel safe or you don't, you don't like the way it's perceived that you're out there um, not making money and other people are making money off you, you, you don't technically have to play. If you don't want to play, you're not forced to play football. You don't have to do that. Oh, by the way, the SEC released their schedule last night, and it is, if they play it, it's pretty damn exciting, by the way. Ten games, best conference in the country head-to-head. So we'll have to talk about that a little bit here moving forward, the actual, like, football stuff. But it's hard. It's hard to read my Phil Steele magazine and concentrate, Bone, because in the back of my mind, I'm like, are we even going to play these games? Are, we, are these teams even going to reach the field? I'm trying to figure out where Kentucky is on South Carolina's schedule. That's a, that's always a tough one. <laughs> I feel like you have a lot there of tough. There it is. The last ones. game. You have ten, and I feel like eight of them are probably tough. Bone. I'm sorry, Gamecock Boney. All right, y'all. Interesting stuff. Interesting thoughts. We'll read some of your uh, feedback as the show goes on. When we come back, one of the few in the media that says they can do a spring season and it can work out, and I'll tell you why. That's Bill Connolly, ESPN. He presents his plan for spring football next.